This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. My name is Ryan Stacey and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, you can visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Chris Horn, Director of Hockey Operations with Army West Point. Having worked in multiple coaching positions to date, Chris offers a great story which shows the path in hockey operations takes a lot of sacrifice along the way. His great personality and insight go hand in hand, making this a great interview for our listeners. With that, here's Chris Horn, Director of Hockey Operations with Army West Point. The second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day, and the best part is it's free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. You just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Chris Horn, Director of Hockey Operations with Army West Point. Chris, thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, I, I really just wanted to thank you so much in the, in the humblest way, Ryan, and to the Hockey Minds listeners out there for, for having me on today. Uh, I really love this podcast. I, I think it's a great platform for those starting the business and thinking about getting into the business uh, to gain so much valuable insight uh, from people that are living it day in and day out from so many different facets of the operation itself. Yeah, no, I, I'm ecstatic to have you on as well. And we kind of talked here a little bit before uh you know, you were kind of on my short list with your with your various experience, which listeners will will get to hear today. But, um, you know, through this podcast, we get to hear so many unique stories. And 
Uh, the NCAA always seems to be uh, even more unique. I feel like there's a lot of people um, kind of looking in that route. So to see someone get to your position, it's, uh, you know, like I said, even more interesting to kind of see how you got there. So before we get into maybe some of the specific things that you've done and the places you've been, uh, let's start off from the beginning, maybe tell people about your upbringing, playing sports in your early years, and just give some more general info on on you as a person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But before I get into that, like I, I got to tell you, you just had a few recent guests on, and in Luke Tr- Strand and and Cole Schultz that that were just brilliant to listen to, and hearing their takes and getting their perspectives on uh, everything that coming straight from their minds was incredible. Uh, definitely tough ass to follow for sure. So so I'm just hoping today that that somebody out there can can pick up at least a shred of insight on on something I might be able to share with my experiences. But uh, I'm I'm hoping that uh, I can make some sort of effort in setting the bar kind of high for for uh, Corey Beer and Adam West, who I think are coming on in the near future. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. No, the, they're they're coming on, and, and Justin Pereira will be um, will be released just before this one as well. So uh, a, a, a number of great hockey minds there, and. Um, ironically coming from very different backgrounds and, and all different leagues, I believe, um, unless I'm, I'm forgetting somebody there. So, uh, no, definitely a lot to offer. And I think, uh, listeners should uh, definitely tune into all of them. Maybe a, a quick plug for listeners to, uh, to chime in as well. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, so just to kind of circle around to your, your question there, uh, my, my upbringing, uh, you know, my early years, I'm originally from Westland, Michigan. And, and those listeners that aren't familiar with Michigan, it, it's a Detroit suburb. So all my Michigan people out there, D-Town, <laughs> uh, we, we, I was raised very blue collar, uh, working family. Uh, my dad would leave the house for work at you know, 6.37 a.m. And, and didn't get home till about 6, 7 at night. He, he was a truck driver and uh, and my mother worked nights. Um, so completely opposite schedules. Um, as, as a kid, like basically I lived outside playing pickup sports with school friends, uh, street hockey, football, baseball, everything, you name it. Uh, playing until the street lights came on, right? So um, I, I actually, oddly enough, didn't start playing team sports uh, until I started ice hockey and I, and I started pretty late. Uh, I, I didn't start playing hockey till the age of 11, uh, if you can believe that. So um, for me, I, I played a couple years of house hockey. Uh, then I played, I think, two years of travel and then was fortunate enough to, to get noticed by some coaches at Culver Military Academy, uh, where I ended up playing varsity hockey and football uh, and graduating from, from the academy there in, in Culver, Indiana. Uh, unbelievable uh, experience that uh, obviously has, has played a big part in, in not only shaping who I am today, but uh, helping me, uh, you know, get into different facets of, of this, this business. For sure. For sure. And, you know, it's a, it's kind of crazy to just to think about maybe some of the stops that you've had on route to where you are today, but um, always very interested in hearing the, the beginning and how it kind of started and, um, you know, it's not always a, a early introduction to hockey or the team setting uh, early on for you is, you know, age 11 for people who generally think about playing hockey and being involved in it to the degree that you are. A lot of people think that, you know, the minute you walk, you need to be on skates, but it's definitely not always the point, but it was uh, still a part of your kind of upbringing. And again, that would kind of lead to future opportunities. And for you early on, that was coaching. So uh, let's go into that first opportunity with East Side Stars. And uh, maybe the experience of coaching at the high school level and, and just uh, walk us through that experience. 
Oh, geez. Uh, it, it, it's crazy to think that that was like almost 13 years ago now. Uh, I think fall of 08. Uh, I reached out to uh, Travis Van Tegum, who's now a close friend, uh, still coaching in, in the Lansing, Michigan area where I was living, uh, graduated from Michigan State. Uh, and at the time, I was managing a, a public facility uh, just outside campus there. And so I was in the rink every day kind of um, doing the rink operations side of things. And, and really, at that point, I was pretty young, uh, fresh out of undergrad, thinking that uh, managing rinks was kind of the, the career path I was going to follow. Um, but I got really interested in uh, I think at the time we had four or five local high schools playing out of our facility. Um, so uh, being in the rink all the time, I, I just wanted to be a part of that somehow. Uh, I had never coached anything outside of, you know, summer camps and clinics and pickup hockey and things like that. But uh, I, I approached Travis and, and asked him if uh, I might be able to give him a hand. And, and fortunately for me, uh, he was more than receptive and 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 brought me on and and then uh i ended up being there for four years <laughs> two two under travis and and two with scott curly um incredible experience for me though uh you know as much as I, as i love working at the college level because it's just a different type of intensity um there are definitely days when you miss kind of the the funner aspects uh and, and part of coaching high school because those players are, are just so moldable at that age as they're like sponges they they kind of soak up every little ounce that, that you feed them. Um, and there's definitely days where, where you miss some of those aspects. For sure. And I've been able to kind of get involved with coaching that, that age group and it could be a lot of fun. You know, you, you get a different, um, you know, different scale of kind of athletes. Some guys are really maybe looking for that professional or that next step. And some guys are just there for a different reason, but uh, you know, you're still able to learn a lot as a coach and, and early on, that sometimes it can maybe make you think maybe this isn't for me, but for you, that was definitely the case that you wanted to pursue it and keep moving forward. And the next opportunity we'll kind of go into here is with Michigan State University. Just, again, talk about the transition and walk us through the in the entire experience with that program. Yeah, yeah. What a, what a wild and, and crazy experience that was. So it, it was kind of like such a fun yet strange way it all came together. Um, so, so coaching uh, the East Side Stars, which was the co-op uh, I was helping with in the area, doing the high school thing, uh, I had a parent of one of the players that I had coached with that team uh, by the name of Don Headley, who eventually became our, our head coach for, for the Michigan State ACHA Division Three program. He, he had approached me um, about helping him start the program from the ground up. Um, we, we both uh, kind of laugh about it now. Uh, we, had, we had no idea what we were getting into, uh, no idea the, the hours and commitment it was going to take or, or what we would end up with. We, we just both were passionate about hockey and, and, and kind of continuing to give uh, you know, players in that area more opportunities to play the game at higher levels. Um, so, so I was able to work with um, you know, players that we, we – Originally anticipated, uh, you know, we, we might get a small turnout, but uh, this team that, that we fielded that year bounded so well from day day one. We ended up actually making the national tournament in, in year one. And, and looking back on it, definitely had a handful of players that, that could have gone on to have very successful 
Division three careers, um, you know, maybe even walk on to the D1 level. We, we were fortunate enough to to get some serious talent. I guess that's that's kind of the bonus of being at a Big Ten school with roughly 40,000 students at the time. Um, but but I ended up doing two, two years there as an assistant, um, also pulling double duty because I was still doing the high school thing. I was working full time at that time, driving for FedEx. Um, so just crazy hours I was, I was putting in. But um, what it, it ultimately did for me looking back on it was that was the first time uh, in, in my coaching career where I developed that hunger to, to really switch my mindset to okay, can I now chase this as a full-time career? Can, can coaching be something that not only pays the bills, but, but that I just do every day and, and, and can call work? Yeah, I think a lot of people, um, you know, sometimes they don't make it to that stage, but def- everybody definitely has it in the back of their mind that someday, um, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, they'd like to be a full-time coach or even working in operations full-time. And unfortunately, sometimes it's, it's not feasible, but uh, you know, if you if you work the hours and make it happen, you, like you said, you kind of had to coach two teams and and work for FedEx at the same time. I, I think that's the uh, the grind that a lot of people aren't willing to do early on. But you know, to be successful, you do have to go through that process and that stage of of the the coaching uh, coaching career. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Pay, paying your dues, as they call it in the business, is uh, such a an undervalued and and yet sometimes underappreciated part of, of the path. Um, and and it, it is a way, uh, for better or worse, of, of weeding out those that are truly passionate about this career and this business and, and getting to the next level. Uh, I mean, you, you really got to take some risk early on and put all your cards on the table. And it, it tells you a lot about yourself and, and whether or not this is truly something for you long term. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people, uh, you know, definitely question that. But uh, again, for you, it wasn't uh, the end there. You kind of kept moving forward. And the next program you ended up with was UMass Amherst. Uh, again, talk about that program and maybe the difference in your role this time around as opposed to your previous position. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, UMass, like I only spent one year there. Um, but I, I think the point at which, at which I got there couldn't have been better for, for myself and that program personally. Uh, another just kind of wild story. So, so I was offered that job, I want to say early July. Um, and, uh, I, I just, I, I was driving a Pontiac vibe, tiny little car at the time. And, uh, I was so excited to, to get an opportunity elsewhere outside of Michigan and, and a program that obviously had valued the, the work and time I had put in elsewhere beforehand enough to hire me. Um, so I pack up my car and I, and I moved East for the first time ever. Um, I, I think at that point I had only been east of Pennsylvania once as a child, um, so so kind of just a, a, a wild uh, again kind of all in move like hey uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna see if if I can sink or swim here. Um, I was so green at the time, uh, but man, what an awesome locker room of players uh, I was fortunate to work with. Um, the, the program when I when I got there was just kind of missing some direction and leadership in terms of what the players wanted to get out of. A club hockey experience. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to um, be working with a locker room full of a lot of upperclassmen that had had played at high levels of AAA or, or prep school hockey, and and just wanted a little bit more guidance and wanted to to kind of thrust that from just being kind of an intramural after school special thing you did to something that they could really. Uh, feel a part of and and feel like the program had had direction towards 
where it was going in the future and and something they could be proud of looking back on uh, after graduation. So, um, it, you know, and in terms of the role, uh, I was hired as the, as the assistant, but by the end of the year, uh, it was kind of became this, this awkward situation where um, the players came to me and, and approached me uh, at the end of the season about kind of taking over as head coach. Um, you know, so, so that's the way things kind of played out. So, um, going into that summer, I was actually named, uh, officially the head coach of the program and, and started to do things behind the scenes in terms of, uh, working this, the coming season schedule and ordering equipment and things. And, um, you know, gearing up for year two, uh, you know, I was also working part-time at the Mullen center. Uh, to kind of pay the bills. I was driving Zamboni. I was doing maintenance. I was I was part of the changeover crew because at, at the time the Mullen Center was doing concerts and basketball and, and the NCAA team played out of the same facility. Um, so I had, I had uh, this crazy schedule. Uh, again, not not sleeping a ton, but, but learning a ton. And uh, it, it was awesome actually to be around the, the NCAA Division One program at that time because they were going through a coaching transition um, so, so I got to kind of be a, a fly on the wall, if you will, and, and sit in on a lot of their closed practices and just kind of, you know, draw up drills that they were doing and, and pick assistant coaches' minds on the side and, and, and kind of, again, network from, from low levels uh, that, that really helped me flourish uh, later on in my career. I think just being in the building sometimes, like they say, uh, a lot of scouts, especially I've kind of mentioned that, that you learn the most just from being around other people in the game and uh, whether it's in the game or sports or just, uh, you know, the overall industry. I think it's great to, to hear that you were able to kind of go into that role. And um, also, like you said, it was a big move. I mean, a lot of people aren't willing to kind of pack up and, and pack up their bags and, and move home base. But, uh, you know, when you're when you do it for the right reasons and kind of commit all in essentially when you get there i think it can be done successfully and uh for your benefit as well and you know just kind of looking at your career then as i was going through your resume um kind of before i approached you for the interview you know a number of different schools here and and kind of like a rapid fire but uh maybe we'll just go through each program you can talk about how you got there and then just give a little bit of information on your time um with that hockey team so uh maybe start off with oakland university yeah, absolutely. Uh, Oakland, another another great experience. Uh, not that I've I, I haven't had any experiences I didn't enjoy, fortunately, at this point in my career. But but Oakland was uh, another opportunity um, uh, opportunity to come back home to Michigan. Um, for those the listeners that might not be familiar with Oakland University, uh, again, it's it's in Rochester, Michigan, which is a, a Detroit suburb. Um, the program itself had had a lot of success before I got there. Um, it was the first uh, kind of uh, program that already had a history that I was joining for the first time in my career uh, prior to getting there. So, so there were definitely some high expectations to live up to. Uh, Oakland had won uh, two national titles before my arrival. Um, but, for, but for me, it, it was also uh, a, another step up the coaching ladder. Um, you know, MSU was ACHA D3. UMass Amherst was ACHA D2, and now I was fortunate to get this opportunity with o Oakland, which was ACHA Division One. Um, 
So, you know, it helped that the, the stipend I was getting was a little bit higher than what I was going to get at UMass. Um, I could also come home and, and segue right back into full-time work at FedEx. So, so I wasn't going to have nearly the financial struggles uh, I, I certainly had in Massachusetts. But um, definitely the, the toughest job decision I have made to date was to leave UMass and, and join Oakland. And that was because I had built such close relationships with the players at UMass um, I remember making that call clear as day to the captains and, and pulling them in that I was accepting the open position and, and it crushed me inside. Um, you know, fortunately, I, I knew that we had a strong foundation at UMass uh, with, with that senior group and, and they would be okay. And, and they certainly were actually one of the seniors I had is, is, is currently the head coach of the program and they've gone to the national tournament and, and done some incredible things themselves. But um, Oakland, we had a lot of talent in that locker room. Uh, another older group that I had, we had a successful year. We made it to the national tournament held in Delaware that year. Um, so kind of continued that, that, uh, that success that uh, of the history of Oakland university, ACHA division one hockey. Yeah. A big change again for you kind of moving again, but uh, you know, I think a lot of times people don't realize just the connections that you make with some of these programs are, it's, it's difficult to leave and, and whether it might be a better decision for your career and, and ultimately you felt it was, um, you know, it still doesn't make it an easy decision. And, and that was definitely uh, the case there with that program. But uh, continuing on with another program here, uh, Hamilton College, maybe just talk about your time there and then uh, the experience that you had overall. Yeah, yeah. So, so Hamilton was my big break. Uh, you know, call it what it what it was. At this point, um, you know, I had coached college hockey at the ACHA level for three years. I had done four years at the high school level, so I, I felt like I was I was not really a seasoned vet, but I had some experience under my belt at this point. So I remember emailing, cold calling, texting uh, every NCAA program in in the United States at this point at uh, at all levels. I was trying to get anybody's ear that would listen to me and give me the time of day and, and just honestly give me an opportunity to show what I could, could add to, to the program. And, and fortunately for me, I, I finally got a call back from Rob Haberbush, the head coach at, at Hamilton college. And in 2014, uh, he brought me on as the volunteer coach. Um, and, and for li listeners that, that might not be familiar with that role in the NCAA, when you are a volunteer coach, like you're getting zero pay. <laughs> so, so it's, it's not an, an easy decision, uh, financially to make, but, but I knew in, in order to, to accomplish my long-term goals, these again were necessary steps that I was going to have to take. Um, so, so there I was again, I packed up the car and, uh, had just come back to Michigan, but packed up the car and, and, and moved East again to, to Clinton, New York, uh, and had a, an unreal experience at Hamilton. Um, you know, at this point, there are very few people uh, that I would be willing to say that I'd take a bullet for. But, but Rob Haberbush is definitely one of the go those guys in, in my life. And, and Hamilton really exposed me to the business side of hockey. Um, there's so many differences between NCAA and, and ACHA hockey. And, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. It's just it's different. Um, you know, coming to, to an actual office every day, uh, the use of video and analytics and you have you have more people you have to report to. Uh, recruiting process is way more in depth, uh, you know, for a lot of programs. Um, there's just so many more moving parts that that I was unfamiliar with, and 
And just when you, you think you're you're a pretty good coach and you know some things, you've learned things along the way, uh, you land somewhere new and you're humbled really quickly. And, and for me, that was definitely Hamilton College. And and I had moved three times in three years at this point. So, um, you know, fortunately, I, I had an incredible experience and and I was able to to then spin that Hamilton College experience into uh, another uh, very crucial volunteer coaching experience for, for my development at, uh, at Union College. For sure. And, and we'll get into Union quickly. I just wanted to again touch on the fact that, uh, you know, it's kind of like a situation where a player keeps moving up the ladder. You know, you become the best player at one level and then you go to the next level. And again, you're kind of in a different situation where all of a sudden you're, you're kind of a role player moving into, um, you know, hopefully developing to that next level. But uh, for you, again, vo- volunteer opportunity is, is never easy. And I think when uh, when coaches are in that search and looking for that position, you see the the volunteer coach opportunity come up on a job board. It could be daunting for sure. It's uh, it, it's not always the the role that you want. But again, like you said, uh, for a lot of people and a lot of people need to realize that that often is the the right step and it can lead to something down the road. And um, again, you transition into another role as you touched on at Union College. So. Uh, like the previous two here, maybe again, talk about the process of kind of joining Union and uh, give some more background on on your experience and your role uh, with the program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Union was uh, an incredible experience because I got, I got to work with some, some very, very uh, incredible and talented, brilliant coaching and, and hockey minds. Uh, just to really a star-studded cast. Uh, it, we had Jason Tapp, who, who's now at Dartmouth. Uh, Joe Dume, who, who's now doing unbelievable things at Quinnipiac. Uh, Dave Baglio, the equipment manager, had prior years uh, at the NHL level with New Jersey Devils. Uh, and, and, and then our, uh, our hockey ops guy at the time, Ian Greenwald, who's now uh, on video with, with New Jersey Devils, uh, him and I came in at the same time. Um, and then, so you, so you take, uh, that wealth of, of experience and knowledge and, and you, you place that under Rick Bennett, uh, who, uh, has kind of built the legacy in his own right. Um, so just an unbelievable experience where, where again, I, I learned the vast differences now between division three and division one hockey. Um, the, the intensity and the expectations are, are, are just so much higher. Uh, on the end results when you know it's it's like anything else you do in life the uh, the higher you go the more eyes are on you um, when, when I got there Union College had just won a national title two years before I arrived so so you can imagine the the pressure to coming into a situation like that um, you know uh, you know for, unfortunately the the year that year didn't play out record wise I think the way we, we had wanted um, we, we were a younger team uh, we, we had some, some injury issues throughout the year. We, I, I think we finished just above 500, but, uh, at the, at the end of the season, um, I, I was actually released, uh, from, from my volunteer coaching role. And, and that was the first time in, in kind of this path where, where it hit me square in the mouth that, that this is a business. Um, and, and it wasn't any ill will at all. Um, you know, Rick Bennett, I remember, uh, the day he called me in the office and, and uh, he looked me square in the eye and he said, hey, you know, like you've done an unbelievable job. Every task I, I gave you a knock out of the park this year. But at the end of the day, the, the program didn't take a step forward like we had hoped. So when that happens, changes have to happen. And, and you're the low guy in the totem pole. So, you know, this, this is a decision I have to make from my position. And and uh, again, no ill will. Uh, I was a little shocked at the time, but but Rick and I are still very close. Um 
you know, looking back on it, I, I just have such a better appreciation and understanding for for why that type of situation happens at, at this level. Um, but it, it, uh, it again, it put me in a, a situation that was unfamiliar territory at that point in my coaching career, because because now I had gone from climbing up this continuous ladder to landing in a spot where where national titles were expectations to to at least compete for one. Um, to suddenly I'm interviewing for everything under the sun and I can't land a coaching job. Um, you know, so it, it was this realization of of not only humbling you, but realizing how quickly the rug can be pulled out from under you. And, uh, you know, I, I fortunately was able to finally catch a break and end up uh, at my next stop, uh, SUNY Brockport. Um, kind of a funny story, thanks uh, in part to Dom Dawes at, at Stevenson University, um, because I had actually interviewed for an assistant job with Dom. And uh, I, I remember going through that process uh, a couple of weeks. It was pretty lengthy. And and he called me and, and gave me the unfortunate news that, that he was selecting somebody else just due to little bit more experience somebody knew a little bit better uh networking wise but but said hey man if, if i could take two people you would definitely be my second choice um but but he left me with a, a little shred of hope he said i'm pretty sure suny brockport uh is is looking for an assistant coach and that job has not been posted yet so so here's some contact info for brian dickinson maybe reach out to him and, and hopefully you stick somewhere and uh fortunately for me i did yeah. And again, just to kind of break down that entire experience there, uh, it's always interesting to hear that moment where, uh, you know, when someone has a, a career that's a bit longer and, and more experienced like yourself, uh, just that moment where maybe, you know, like you said, the rug gets kind of pulled out from underneath you. And in hockey operations, obviously, when things are results driven, especially if you're a volunteer trying to break into a team, that's usually going to be the first place, whether it's, um, you know, it lies on your shoulders or not. So, uh it's just interesting to hear then that you volunteer or that you were going into another position and, and trying to get into a role in interviewing and still connections, even though you didn't get that first job, it landed uh, with Brockport there. So again, let's go into that role now, obviously knowing how that kind of worked out and uh, just give your experience with that program before, uh, before joining Army West Point. Yeah, Brockport was uh, for starters my my first uh, serious paying job. <laughs> so so at this point, I am now years in his career and, and hadn't really made a dime uh, doing what I was doing. I was just cutting my teeth and and grinding and and hoping I could pay as many dues as possible to catch somebody's eye. And 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 coming into the Brockport situation, I, I was now a paid assistant um you know I, I was able to get my master's degree there um not not free of charge by any means but but certainly helped me uh i guess progress um, both academically and professionally um, working for brian was was such a wonderful experience because brian was at a point in his career where um you know he's more than willing to kind of give me the reins and, and explore anything under the sun I, I, I wanted to kind of tinker with in terms of bringing in new ideas to a program that, um, you know, had been around for a while. So, uh, you know, we were, we were more or less uh, co-head coaches. Um, you know, I, I, I would think uh, he would look at it that way too. It was just this awesome experience uh, every day coming in and talking hockey with him and different ideas. But it was my first opportunity to really have a voice uh, within the locker room 
um, from from a, a bigger role situation where where all of a sudden I'm the one out there conducting on ice practices from from start to finish. I'm the one putting out practice plans. I'm the one breaking down the video and and going over that with the team. I'm obviously on the road recruiting, uh, you know. Uh, so many weekends to hopefully to find those diamond in the rough players to elevate this program to an even higher level than that it had been in when I got there. So uh, just, uh, again, uh, an awesome experience from the, the standpoint that I got to now do so many things beyond the experiences I had, I had already had under my belt. So uh, just helping me become a more well-rounded um, uh, coach at the end of the day. Definitely. And, and I think experience and, and the responsibility ultimately is what uh, allows you to kind of grow, especially in a coaching position and, uh, you know, in the NCAA in college setting and, and with school programs, a lot of times uh, it can really be a great place to, to generate that uh, learning experience just because, as you said, recruiting video breakdown, it often kind of falls on the head coaches or the coaching staff uh, first and foremost. So, uh, today, obviously, you're in a position with Army West Point as a director of hockey operations. Uh, finally, maybe walk us through the process of joining that team and then just um, maybe the opportunity that was in front of you and, and some of the things that uh, you've experienced thus far. Sure, sure. And, uh, you know, this this situation here with Army was so unique uh, when it first came up. Um, I had actually interviewed for the assistant coaching uh, position that was open that same year and um, unfortunately didn't get through that process. They hired another candidate, uh, but I got a call back uh, from our associate head coach, Zach McKelvey at the time, who I had kind of struck up this friendship with just being, uh, when I was at Brockport, being on the road, just you, you see a lot of the same people in, in the rinks and and uh, you just start to kind of develop these friendships of, of talking not only about you know, players you're recruiting and things you're seeing on the ice and hockey itself, but life itself. Um, so fortunately for me, I, I had uh, built up a pretty good relationship with Zach and I had, uh, you know, kind of expressed aspirations of getting back to Division One at some point. So, so Zach reached out and asked if uh, I would be interested in uh, taking a look at, at this role I'm in now as director of hockey operations. And, and to be honest, it was, it was a difficult one for me. And uh, to anybody else that has been in a situation where uh, they've been a coach for so long and, and now that title is going to change, um, that that's what made it so difficult because it, it, for me, it meant I was, I was leaving the role, the role of quote coaching, um, you know, it's a title change. Um, so, so for me, uh, what was most critical, and I was very upfront in this, uh, in my interview process that I wanted to be involved as much as possible uh, within the NCAA rules, of course, that, that uh, you know, as if I were a coach on staff, uh, even, even though I wasn't going to have that title, um, I wanted to be able to, to uh, lend, you know, any insight I could provide from my prior experiences. But, but I also didn't want to miss out on that development piece or, or being able to build those valuable off-ice relationships with the players. And, and I think this role of director of hockey operations, when, when I talk to guys across the country that do this at, at, at various programs ac across the country, like it's so different. Like each head coach um, kind of places different roles on, on what it means to be the director of hockey operations. So, so they're not similar in the fact that what I do is the same as what Nick Sergey does at Notre Dame or, um, you know, anybody else uh, across the country that does what we do. Um, uh, 
but that was very important to me. So, so you know, Zach McKelvey and Brian Riley both have been so integral in, in my professional development over over the past three years and counting. Um, this is probably the single best professional division uh, decision I've made uh, to date. Um, the job has just exposed me to so many areas beyond coaching that, that are involved in the sport and and some probably view that the, some of those aspects as, as the boring side of the game because it's certainly not the the flash and excitement of, of uh, being on the ice for practice or standing on the bench for games but uh, it really helped me shift my focus towards other possible career avenues I could pursue in, in hockey outside of coaching. Yeah, and and you know, like you said, the role itself, director of hockey operations, with with every program is very different. And I've, we've talked with a few people, and I've talked with even more outside of the podcast. And it's uh, every time it's a little bit different, as you said. But uh, you know, some people might view it as boring, but for people like you, people like myself, it's uh, you know, it's an intriguing area and um, has its benefits as well. So maybe just going into a little bit deeper, just maybe talk about your day to day or week to week. Uh, what it looks like and, and some of the daily tasks that you deal with. Yeah, sure. Like, uh, you know, our staff and I, we, we, dro- we joke that, that I'm the Wizard of Oz. Uh, you know, I'm the man behind the curtain that, that makes sure everything in the program runs smoothly, but, but people hardly ever see me or, or truly know what I do. Um, so first and foremost, like I, I serve as our video coach. Um, so we're, uh, we're in a contract with Exos Catapult software to, to live capture video. Uh, I do our pre-scout breakdown for our opponents. I, I cut recruiting film so that our, our assistants can look at uh, prospective student athletes uh, that, that they've got their eye on. Um, so that's, that's kind of duty number one. But uh, the second duty I have is just as important, if not more so. Uh, I, I get the luxury of overseeing our annual operating budget, uh, which is, is no small task at all. Um, it, uh, it actually starts in May. Uh, so I put together our budget build, um, uh, which essentially is I have about 30 different uh, accounting line items where everything we purchase has to plug into one of these areas. Um, so I put together this this big proposal and and uh, I sit down with with our, our head coach and board of directors and uh, you know our our AD and uh, and we go through and, and we present that and then once that's accepted and we we get that final uh, operating budget approved uh, then I'm I'm tracking it all year long I, I'm I'm the the yes and no guy which isn't always fun at times. Uh, you know, we got we got coaches that obviously continually want to add to uh, what our players are getting out of the program. Um, so it's my job to make sure that we are staying on task financially, um, that that I can uh, make all of those possibilities happen, but but also not uh, stray too far uh, outside of that that um, approved budget. So so that's a, a big big role. Um, uh, one of the other uh, areas I, I do, I, I book and execute all of our team travel. Um, so everything from the planes, the buses, the hotels, uh, when we go on the road to to the team meals, both home and away, uh, whether it's it's a catered meal um, or it's uh, you know a quick to go individual meals that uh, we're going to eat on the bus on the on the way back to West Point. Um, I have to uh, obviously get all those contracts and see that those are executed from start to finish. Um, 
Uh, I also oversee the Army Hockey Youth Summer Camp Program. Uh, unfortunately, due to, to COVID-19, um, we, we're not running that this year or, or the, the previous year. But uh, it's it's an unbelievable summer camp for, for youths between the ages of 8 and 16 that uh, get to come spend a week, uh, five days at, at West Point and stay over overnight uh, sleeping in the barracks. And, and they get the experience of what it's kind of like to to be a hockey player at West Point. Uh, really cool, fun and exciting experience. Uh, the summer camp's been going on for uh, nearly 40 years, I think now at this point. Uh, so it's very successful. Uh, we, we tend to sell that out every year, but but it's again, no big, uh, no small undertaking. Um, that's a process that starts in, in September with uh, all the marketing, the advertising for it and the registration process. Uh, I'm answering all the calls and, and questions from the parents and emails and, and kind of start to finish. So I see that all the way through from September uh, through execution in July when the camps actually take place. Um, and then uh, some of the other smaller things like the the odds and ends, like I, I do, uh, I'm in charge of uh, our team banquet and our commissioning ceremony, which happens right after graduation, uh, which is an unbelievable uh, day for, for our senior class who are then commissioned into the United States military. Um, you know all all of those kind of things that that uh, big events that happen but aren't always in the spotlight in terms of the ncaa like uh I'm, again the guy that has to see it those uh go off without a hitch so so uh it's a job where you never really uh you're never sleeping put it that way no no that's for sure and uh you know i think just listeners will realize this as well and again as i've looked into the position more you can you can realize pretty quickly that you have to be definitely someone that's flexible and has had multiple experiences before going into a role like this, because as you said, you kind of, you're dealing with the video coaching role, which, uh, you know, for someone that's never been in a coaching position is, is a little bit daunting at first, even just learning to, to clip games uh, live with, with software is a challenge. And then you're looking for the systems breakdown and all that. And all of a sudden then you're kind of being the, like the, the accountant of the team in a sense, the financials, you got to be the, the one that's making sure everything's under control and then uh, organizing and then event management. And, and there's so many different hats that have to be worn. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's not as simple as uh, showing up to the games and, and going home. And uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I wish it was sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. No, I, I think, um, you know, it's, it's a very unique role and, uh, you know, has a lot to offer. And uh, even more so uh, with Army West Point, like you said, there's some history there and things are done a little bit differently. And you have that camp that's been very successful for 40 years. And for people who maybe don't always think about Army West Point or who are maybe unfamiliar with the program, uh, just talk about the history of the program in particular and, and the growth um, that you've seen in, in your time there. Yeah, sure. Uh, the, the history of it, um, you know, we're at such a fun and exciting time right now in terms of Army West Point hockey. Um, it's uh, our, our staff is so close um, that we, we just all love coming to the office every day, uh, being around each other every day. And 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 I think it's a it's a big part of why we're, we're having uh, success that we've had recently. But, but when you look back at the history, geez, like you're talking about a program that that I think goes all the way back to 1903. Um, so, there's, so there's so much, so much history there. The, the top name that comes to mind for, for myself and a lot of people is Jack Riley, uh, kind of the godfather of Army West Point hockey, who, who uh, also was an Olympic 
gold medal winning coach. Um, you know, no small feat, obviously an unbelievable uh, accomplishment. Um, but, but, but Jack started, I think in 1950 as, as head coach of the Army West Point program. Uh, he was then uh, succeeded by, by his son, Rob Riley, uh, who ran the program for, for a few years. And, and now Brian, uh, Riley, our head coach at, at the range. So you're talking about a program that, that has been uh, led by the Riley family uh, since 1950. Um, you know, and, and there's definitely been some dark days in terms of record through the decades. Uh, however, uh, you know, we feel like we've really landed on something consistent in terms of having a, a foundation of culture and, and a foothold towards Towards winning uh, an Atlantic Hockey Conference championship here in the in the very near future, um, but being at West Point is is just such a different and unique um, experience uh, for myself and, and anybody that gets to uh, be a part of it. Uh, whether you're in athletics or, or or you work elsewhere on campus, it's it's just so um, gratifying uh, to come to work and and see what the definition and the epitome of teamwork truly is. Um, you know, we, that, that's a, a catchphrase that we always talk about, you know, within athletics, but, but being at uh, an institution that it truly encap encapsulates uh, what it means to be a part of a team from sun up to sundown is, is truly uh, uh, something special. Um, you know, and, and, and it, it's, it's from a coaching aspect, it's also such a different and unique recruiting pitch, right? So, uh, you know, a lot of people at, at first glance, uh, sometimes it's easy to overlook the, the fact that you, uh, you have to be a citizen of the United States to, to come to the academy. Um, so we're, our, our recruiting pool suddenly has shrunk right away just to American players. Um, and then obviously you mix in the recruiting commitment uh, the, from the military side of things that, uh, um, that you're kind of talking up that aspect and what that means to be a part of a service academy. Um, you know, you've got the pro potential. Um, that's, you know, always a question on, on any aspiring hockey player coming up through juniors or prep. Uh, you know, that's usually the end goal. So um, we're, we're proud that right now we've, we've been able to move a couple players recently into the pro ranks. It's been huge for our program and I think speaks uh, very highly of, of the direction this program's headed. So, um, you know, on top of that, there's high academics. Um, you know, you, you, you got to have pretty high marks uh, to, to get into to West Point. On, so uh, you, you got to be a very intelligent, uh, well-rounded uh, individual that, that – uh, really has it's just at a different maturity level a lot of times um, to be able to commit to um, something so much larger uh, than yourself and, and and i think a lot of players when they make that verbal commitment uh obviously they're proud and excited uh, that they're going to be a part of it but it really doesn't hit them until after it's over uh that it's such a special experience and an opportunity of what they're going to get to do um you know afterwards uh, it's just an unbelievable experience that that I get to uh, be a part of every day. It seems like uh, you know the program's really built to kind of bring in the right person first and foremost, uh, excelling off the ice, and it only makes it easier then to to you know very coachable players, very intelligent players that can uh, be successful on the ice at the end of the day, and and hopefully for those who have the pro um, aspirations are able to get there. And like you said, you've seen that recently, and. 
looking at off-ice and just kind of the school aspect, uh, you're someone who is also continually enrolling in programs to advance your learning. You talked about doing your master's um, there earlier in the conversation. How important do you feel it is or, or how important it's been for you uh, towards your own development in, in kind of pursuing these opportunities? And do you feel others, maybe coaches, people in hockey operations, uh, should look to kind of do something similar or even pursue areas outside of the game? Yeah, it's it's so critical. Uh, so critical. I, I, I try to attend as many conventions and, and summer hockey camps as I can because uh, the key thing is networking, right? Um, you know, towards professional development and ultimately, uh, hopefully, <laughs> landing jobs later down the road. Uh, you know, you, you have to put yourself out there um, because if you're not continually um, challenging yourself and expanding your mind to ideas outside of maybe your, your tiny little comfort zone, then you're going to get stuck in the mud and people are going to pass you by. Um, but the, the, the coolest part is you, you get to meet so many incredible people in hockey, both uh, on the men's and women's side of the, of the sport, that they each have their own unique path and, and how they got to the point where they are in their career. So it, it's, it's just pretty inspiring to hear some of those stories while you know, you're out there swapping different opinions or ideas on everything from the X's and O's to communicating with the college-age student-athletes. Um, so... Um, you know, uh, I, I'd like to continually learn in just so many different areas uh, that the, the everyday, everyday hockey fan probably doesn't even realize is a necessity to what we do every day uh, from an operation standpoint. Um, you, you factor in all of the insight you're exposed to daily, whether it be from your equipment manager, uh, for us, Ross Gigantic, or our team trainer, Scott Ostrander, or you know, our coaching staff. Uh, Doc Z or team sports psychologist, etc. You have all these these people on deck to to help your program. But uh, I'm in the fortunate position where I, I get to be around these people all the time and, and learn different areas of the business that, uh, again, aren't necessarily just coaching driven. Um, so you have all all of these outside forces that that play that critical and vital role to the success of your program. And if you're open minded uh, to to learning, you can learn so much from these people in different areas of expertise. Yeah, and being open-minded, I think, at the end of the day is, is so key uh, in that process. And like you said, whether it's uh, athletic therapists or equipment managers or mental health uh, performance consultants in all these different areas, um, you know, especially in your position, like you said, you can really interact with all these people. And people at My Hockey Resource have kind of built a platform which acts as a, a community where people can learn from uh, individuals, whether video coaches, uh, you know, Ian's one person, I, I believe I've seen his name come up there a few times uh, in the video coaching and, um, you know, so many different people within the game who are just learning to looking to share ideas and learn. So for anyone looking to maybe grow their own network or ask specific questions, be sure to check out my hockey resource on Twitter and Instagram. Chris, one of the things they talk about specifically on there is certain resources, whether it's books, articles, softwares, um, conferences, you know, the list is extensive. Uh, for you personally, what are some of your favorite resources that you might want to share with listeners today? Sure, uh, this is kind of a it's kind of a funny question for me because I so much more enjoy the, the casual conversation piece with people who are in the business, uh, similar to what we're doing today. Um, you know, but but I do enjoy reading coaching biographies. Um, you know, I like to read biographies from coaches outside of hockey. Um, I like to, to kind of pull back the layers and see if I can find valuable lessons 
or even tactics that I, that could be applied in our sport. Um, you can learn something totally new from whether it be a basketball or a football or a wrestling coach. And, and maybe it's not necessarily something uh, from an everyday objective that, that is applied in our sport, but it, usually with some tweaking, you, you can find some positive end result uh, out of whatever that lesson you're trying to, to get across um, to, to your team. Um, you know, just off the top of my head, like uh, a few of the books I've read that, that have, have helped kind of uh, generate some different ideas for me. Um, Beyond Basketball by, by Coach K um, is really a book driven uh, towards caring for your athletes more than just being chess pieces to, to generate a winning record. Um, you know, that was important for me early on in my career because uh, here I am individually on this this path where I'm trying to accomplish my own individual goals that sometimes uh, when you're young and you're hungry, it's easy to kind of overlook uh, some of those bigger uh, things that are going on in your athletes' lives, right? And just connecting with them on a personal level. Uh, another one, uh, Above the Line by, by Urban Meyer, uh, which is, is kind of about uh, creating and upholding cultural standards uh, of, of your, your team. Um, you know, I, I actually got the, the, the pretty cool experience to meet both Coach K and Urban Meyer uh, here at, at West Point uh, in the last couple of years. So um, just incredible experiences to be in, in front of guys that are, are just legends in their own right. Um, you know, Quiet Strength by Tony Dungy. It's another one uh, that, that was a little different for me because that, that one kind of explores athletes and, and oftentimes their important spiritual relationship with faith. Um, it was something that I that uh, I probably aren't as well rounded in my own individual personal life, um, but I, I, I know that I have players that, uh, that that I've coached or come into contact with that, that 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 is a very important piece of their their daily lives. So it was important for me to kind of take that in and understand that perspective. Um, you know, the uh, sum it up by by. Uh, Pat Summit, uh, obviously a very inspirational insight into uh, kind of the difficulties of keeping your your private life separate from your professional life and, and how that is often blurred. Obviously, Pat was, was uh, dealing with the diagnosis of Alzheimer's at the time. Um, you know, so so just, uh, again, all, all of these areas that uh, I, I think can, um, you get outside of your comfort zone and you pull in information and you try to apply it in, in the best way. Because at the end of the day, we're, we're all doing the same thing, right? We're, uh, you know, for us, we're, in, we're enhancing college athletes experience, uh, you know, for, for all the student athletes and trying to, to make sure that you have a positive impact on their lives um, so that hopefully they'll go out and have uh, an even greater positive influence on, on others in their daily adult lives afterwards. Yeah, that's a, a great point. And to to build on, obviously, the resources that you listed there, it's uh, it's always great to kind of go outside the comfort zone. And um, I really do ask that question a lot of times, expecting that answer and seeing what people kind of how they think. And uh, so many people have talked about just the importance of looking into things that aren't even sport related. Like you said, it could be something about the, the workplace and, and your personal relationship in that blurred line or, um, you know, getting into spiritual faith and all these different things. So that's very interesting. And even more interesting that you're able to meet, uh, you know, Coach K and Meyer there, just, uh, you know, two individuals who are very well known and uh, both have been mentioned on the podcast before. So, uh, you know, a, a little bonus there for you as well. But um, you, you mentioned before we got into that question that a lot of times you're one of those people who like to learn from conversation. Um, you know, just like me, I, I'm very much uh, uh, on that side of it as well. But 
uh, maybe just looking at your career to date, uh, go over some of those mentors who you've been able to interact with and who've kind of helped you and just talk about some of the, the major lessons that they kind of taught you collectively over time. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I've definitely, I've mentioned uh, these guys uh, already uh, earlier in this podcast, but but uh, for me, Rob Haberbush and, and Rick Bennett uh, definitely come to the forefront of my mind. They've just done so much for me over the years, uh, whether it be uh, lending an ear for, for some venting or um, giving me some some insight and advice from, from guys that have been in the game much longer than me and have had it. Just about every experience imaginable, um, and and even picking up the phone to to make a phone call for me if, if I might be interviewing for a job and, and needed a reference. So uh, th- those guys, I, I just can't say enough about what great human beings they are. Um, Zach McKelvey, uh, associate head coach at Army West Point, is uh, ha- has become one of my best friends. You know, I, I I tell people that he's the brother I never had. Right. So, uh, he's just such an intelligent hockey mind and, and there's no doubt in my mind, he's going to be a great head coach at some point here, uh, in, in the future. Um, that's just a awesome resource to, uh, to have when you come into the office every day and, and kind of be on the same wavelength, uh, in terms of, of where you want to see this program go and the accomplishments that, uh, that are out there uh, yet to be obtained. So, so again, I, I think, uh, you know, Zach and, and coach Riley, uh, again, like uh, coach Riley is just so much experience and, and, and the valuable family atmosphere that he commands uh, while also demanding the very best out of each athlete uh, that plays for our program is, is such a unique uh, experience. Um, and, and I think sometimes that's one of the hardest things to develop and, and not only develop, but maintain year after year, um, is that culture piece. And, and fortunately, we, uh, we've done an incredible job, uh, in, in doing so. So, um, yeah, those, those guys, coach Riley, Zach McKelvey, uh, Rob Haberbush and Rick Bennett are, are probably, uh, the, the biggest mentors for me, uh, currently. Yeah, some some great names there as you've kind of broke down the story. Uh, we've heard, been able to hear more about them, and uh, I definitely know those names beforehand. But uh, very interesting just to to see how those interactions came about and, and how sometimes it's somebody that you meet later on, but you kind of develop a relationship, uh, you know, that kind of will last further down the road. And um, I'm sure a lot along the way they've provided you a lot of advice and guidance and, um, you know, just taught you different things along your journey. So now maybe in a position to talk to someone who's just looking to get into the game or maybe follow a similar path to you and, and kind of go through the, the process of moving some different teams, et cetera. Uh, what's one final piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful in the game? Sure. I mean, there, there's so many little nuances, but, but I think for, for, for me, uh, the biggest thing is you gotta be willing to bet on yourself. Uh, be willing to take chances be, because if you don't, you, you might end up looking back at, at things later on, wishing that you would have. Um, and for me, that was the toughest thing. Uh, ultimately, was was going all in and, and stepping away from, at that point, a, a career where I was making pretty uh, lucrative uh, financially and, and decided, you know, I'm going to pursue this and, and take a step backwards to hopefully take a couple steps forward. Um, be willing to talk to everyone. Uh, everyone has a story to tell and, and everyone for the most part is willing to help you on your journey. Um, you, you just got to get out there and, and again, step outside of your comfort zone. Uh, you know, for people like that might be 
uh, like me, I'm a little bit more of an introvert, if you can believe that or not. But uh, um, early on, that was difficult for me uh, to get out there and try to create new relationships and do the networking piece. Um, um, know that it's going to be a difficult lifestyle year after year. Uh, it's really year round. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily come with a lot of pay or a lot of time off. Um, but if you want to learn the behind the scenes of running a hockey program, then uh, you know, a role such as uh, director of hockey operations is definitely critical towards the skill building part. Whether you want to be a head coach or a scout or a GM or work video or team services later on, uh, I, I think uh, a role such as the one I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be in here at Army just adds so much value because you get to do so many more uh, hands-on things in terms of, of uh, running an operation that will be beneficial towards whatever role um, you're, you're in. And, um, you know, uh, you're going to be forced out of your comfort zone at times, and that's okay. Uh, be willing to, again, put yourself out there. But um, probably, you know, one, one of the biggest things that uh, is also enjoy the ride. Uh, it's so easy to get caught up on on your future individual goals that that sometimes you, you end up not fully enjoying the people and the experience that are right in front of you on a daily basis. And it, and it took me a long time. Uh to learn that piece, um, you know, and then looking back on, on this crazy, unbelievable, um, definitely uh, different path than most people I come into contact with. Um, we're, we're all trying to get to the same goals, but like I said, everybody has a different road to get there and mine's certainly uh, unique to say the least, but um, there's definitely situations that uh, I look back on in the early years that, that I wish I would have fully enjoyed a little bit more than I probably did. Um, but but uh, now that uh, I'm a little bit more um, experienced, a little bit further down the road, I, I've uh, found ways to um, kind of stay in that moment and enjoy the ride. Yeah, I think that's a great piece of advice. A lot of people will definitely, uh, you know, early in the process, just thinking about the future day in and day out. But, uh, you know, taking a second, enjoying the ride, um, realizing that, you know, if you're not in your comfort zone, it's okay. That's kind of part of the learning process. I think that's that's great advice, especially for young listeners and um, you know, Chris, with that, I, I think that's a great way to end this interview. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and learning about your story. Like I, I, I say, there's certain positions that always interest me and, and the director of hockey operations position in the NCAA is one that has always interested me. So uh, just hearing your path through coaching and, and some of your other roles, it's, uh, you know, it's no surprise you've, you've been successful uh, to where you are today. And I'm sure others will be keen to listen in and see where else you go in, in the future. So with that, thanks again, and I wish you all the best moving forward. Yeah, th thanks again for, for having me on, Ryan, to, to you and the, and the Hockey Minds uh, podcast listeners out there. Like, this is an incredible resource. Um, so, so definitely continue to tune in. And, uh, you know, for, for anybody, you know, looking for, for some experience out there, I think Ryan's in the process of looking for a job right now. <laughs> um, so, so give this guy a shot. Like this guy definitely is, is an up and coming, uh, brilliant guy out there behind the scenes that can definitely, uh, add some value to your program. So, so don't pass on him. But again, I, I really am humbled and uh, very appreciative of the opportunity to, to come on today with you. Yeah, no, listen, I, I really appreciate that and appreciate the kind words and the, and the plug there at the end, but, uh, you know, the, the show and, and this process is made by people like you coming on. So once again, Thanks for joining me and, uh, and take care. Thanks, Ryan. You too.
One thing that fans within the game, hockey minds, and players can agree upon is that when done responsibly, there's nothing better at the end of the day than a cold beer that you enjoy for both its taste and its aroma. And this segment of the Hockey Minds podcast is brought to you by Kitty Vitty Brewery. You can visit their tap room now open seven days a week and their new retail location in St. John's, Newfoundland at 16 Harborview Avenue. If you're one of those people who are maybe looking for some more entertainment, somewhere to sit with friends, you can definitely check out their original location in Kitty Vitty, Newfoundland. Join the Kitty Vitty Craft Club at kittyvittybrewery.ca and give them a follow on social media to keep up to date on the latest brew news. If you're not from Newfoundland and not from the East Coast and you want to get involved, definitely follow them on social media and learn more about their beer, which is great for a casual beer drinking fan and also the beer enthusiasts. And stay tuned, because who knows, maybe they'll find their way to get their beer to a location near you. Check out Kitty Vitty Brewery today for more information on their beer, clothing, and all things Kitty Vitty Brewery. I'd like to thank Chris for coming on the podcast and talking about the Army program and his career to date. I'm always intrigued by the Director of Hockey Operations position at the D1 level, so for sharing the behind the scenes work of that position in particular, I'd like to once again personally thank him. If you would like to get in touch with Chris to learn about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly, or you can contact Podcast at Outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Adam West, Assistant General Manager with the Black Falls Bulldogs. Adam has a very unique path in the game, including time in Europe and Finland in particular, which will bring another interesting career path to the listeners' ears. Once again, I'd like to thank everyone for continually listening in to the podcast and for your support as of late. Be sure to check out our social media platforms as well as our website for more content moving forward. As always, stay safe and all the best. (laughs) 